Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Calon FM. I'm Tracy Jones. And I'm Heather Noble. You look like you've been caught doing something naughty, Heather. My microphone was about three foot in the air and I suddenly <laughs> realised that I needed it to be near my mouth. So, um, yeah. It, it's so, always useful. Yes, yeah, so I moved it. Hopefully there was no big clunk coming oh, through well. the airwaves. <laughs> So yes, welcome to the business community. (laughs) And the topical discussion we're going to have this week is about professional declutterers. You can't have failed to have missed what's going on. Um, Is it Marie Kondo? Mm, I believe so. She's got a show on Netflix. Now I'm aware of um, book and and other stuff that she's done previously because I did once try to tidy out my closet. Um, and, And I... I accepted it and I took it all on board, but I'm not the person for the job. I think I I can admit that. Um, I might be able to get it sorted one day, but maintaining it is a whole other thing. However, professional declutterers are are actually becoming a, a job and also something. So I thought we could look at it in two ways, a job and something that you could use personally and professionally, because you can also declutter your business. So, Heather, are you a a person that holds on to clutter? Are you any good at decluttering? Or would you need to employ somebody to do this for you? I think I would need to employ somebody. I am quite sentimental, so I get attached to things. Uh, And and that remains the case until it all gets too much. And I I am literally... And Marie Kondo's name cropped up... um, twice in one day for me last week because I said to my husband the house is doing my head in I just want to get a big skip and chuck everything away I just want to get rid of everything and he said oh you want to you want to go with the Marie Kondo book and do it do it that way but I don't think I'm quite that sort of person I did read the book so um you can't fault me for that I read the book all the way through I just didn't quite put it all into action but the idea is that you, you bring everything together in the middle of the room. So if it's a real serious big declutter, you put it all in the middle of the room and then you don't put it back in place unless it brings you joy. And I could think of so many things in my house that I really need to own, but that don't bring me joy. Yeah. Yeah. And the joy thing, it's all relative, isn't it? I mean, I and as a sentimentalist, probably quite a lot of things would bring me joy because you'd be like, oh, get rid of that. Oh, yeah, but it's the cork from the bottle of champagne that I drank on my 50th birthday or whatever. You know, I mean, you don't really need to keep that. And I think this is where a professional declutterer comes in because they take that emotional element out of it and they can look at it and say, really, you really want to keep that tatty bit of whatever? And you sort of have to justify yourself to them. Mm. And this is where I came across a website. Um, It's APDO or APDO, um, the Association of Professional Declutterers and Organisers. Who knew that was even a thing? Well, there you go. And they're there to help clients. So if you want to find somebody who can declutter for you, then APDO have got some advice and also um, some help on organising home and workplaces. Uh, they have um, invite media, PR and businesses to get in touch and also helping professionals so if you want to train to be a professional declutterer you want networking opportunities or mentoring then they're they're for you and uh, I had a look at their FAQ section and I was quite interested in this not not particularly because I'm a hoarder 
although Heather, this might interest you. It says, do declutterers help hoarders? Now, this is something I didn't know. It it says that chronic hoarding is now classified as a medical condition. And so major difficulties that get... Um, that come from let, not being able to let go of inanimate objects, even when they're broken, a tendency to acquire things that they don't ever use, rooms that cannot be used for their intended purposes, and levels of clutter which could result in safety issues around the home. And then suddenly I realised maybe I am a hoarder. <laughs> maybe I've got a medical condition. Um, but it does say on there that hoarders are quite distinct from clutter bugs, those people who simply have too much stuff. And hoarding disorder is a completely separate thing and they provide advice on that. And they say that you can get professional declutterers to help you, but you might look want to look for somebody who does specialise in hoarding as opposed to just clutter. So that's something I learned mm. from doing this research. Yeah, I think the whole decluttering your business is a it's a good it's it's a good thing to think about but it's slightly different it's it's a case of applying some of her principles to business yeah things that don't bring you joy how many of those do you find in your business yeah and yeah oh, there are a lot... pile of invoices yeah <laughs> that I, yeah uh, well, yeah the incoming ones <laughs> not so bad um so yeah so there's there are various websites and um, articles that start to look at, OK, how how would you translate this and how would you um, declutter your, your business? Um, and there's one in particular. So it gives you uh, five tips. So declutter your client list, you know, take a look at who your clients are and decide. We've all got clients who are high maintenance, low um, fee generation. You know, it's like, OK. Are they the sort of client that, that you want to be um, keeping hold of? You know, and thinking about the ones that you really value, the clients that you really value, then of course you will be giving them better service. So uh, tidy up your sales process. You know, look at, are you using old material? Uh, you know, is your website up to date? What CRM system are you using? How, you know, what does the process look like? And is it is it smooth or is it clunky and outdated? Uh, and just, you know, revisit that and think about if you were starting again from zero, what would you, what would your sales process look like? Um, get some clarity on big picture goals. So the new year is often a good time to to do that. But you know, we're only in February, so there's still time. Uh, think about what are the goals for your business and give yourself timelines. Um, and part of that also is, you know, um, refresh your materials, refresh, you know, even literally physically declutter your office. Um, if and that, your email inbox. And your, oh my goodness, that... That is so time consuming, but it's so satisfying, isn't it? When you've got rid of all of those emails that are just sitting there just in case. I, mean, I find it really difficult to, to clear those to clear those out. But it's those types of things, you know, just to look at what in your business is bugging you and spend some time looking at it and, and streamlining it and tidying it up. And you will then it's the a, a tidy desk equals a tidy mind I'm not sure about that but at least if you if you know what you've got on your desk and if you've got rid of you know that 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 even that envelope or that that agenda from a meeting that you attended where you've got it electronically as well you know do you actually need to keep that hard copy what 
you know, what are you what are you storing that you don't need to? And I th- I thought I'd just look up a couple of things for people who are are really good at this decluttering. Certainly for other people. You might not be great at doing it for yourself, but if you can do it for yep. a third party, then there's a potential for you to have a business. So there is um, an article on a website called The Balance SMB, and it's how to start a professional organizer business from home. It's American based, but so the skill, um, the details are just as valid in the UK. And it talks you through the pros and cons of setting up a business. And also, it's a quite a nice little profile on lovespace.co.uk. Um, and they've got a blog uh, about the day in a day in the life of a professional declutterer. Now, she might not be a typical declutterer, I don't know, but it might give you a bit of an insight to let you know if that's the sort of thing that you would be happy dealing with. And uh, yeah, and also go and take a look at the APDO website as well, because they, they claim to have a lot of information for you. There are loads of courses out there, and I'm, I'm not quite sure about the validity of a, a course on how to declutter. I think if you're going to do that, then then research it, because um, they, they vary wildly in price as well. So I found one for 127 quid and then ones that are four figures so right okay and i'm not quite sure who they're accredited to either no 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 interesting one i don't think you need personally i don't think you need most of us need to do that we just need to commit to set aside the time to declutter uh and there was one article that i found on freeagent.com um which literally has five things so i'll whiz through them but i will put a link on on the website the business.community update your business plan review your social media profiles crikey i've got various ones they're probably inconsistent brush up your business books look at your library review your customer list and review your supplier list look at who who you're buying stuff from and are you getting the best deal the events and news section this week. I've um, I've taken a slightly different angle in terms of the events because I've started to look further afield, f- further ahead into the year, and I came across a couple of um, interesting websites. Uh, one is um, the cmalive.co.uk they list the best marketing conferences that are taking place in the UK in 2019, uh, and they so they talk about. Um, marketing show North, Atomicon, B2B Marketing Expo, lots B2C Marketing Expos, all loads of expos that are taking place throughout the year. And I thought it was just a really useful resource if you're looking at either exhibiting or if you're looking at attending um, and making some good some good contacts, some good connections. As I say, they cover the whole of the UK, uh, right the way up from Glasgow down to um, the south coast. And so I thought that... Um, I thought that that would be an interesting one. So you just need to pop along to cmalive.co.uk and look at the list of conferences there, the best marketing conferences for 2019. I also then spent some time looking at uh, the British Small Business Awards. They run every year uh, and they're held, the award ceremony is held in London in October. Uh, entering awards and... Um, uh, and even if you're just shortlisted, can can be a really useful process for you and your business. We've talked about this in the past, uh, and that the categories run from um, best uh, 
sole trader through to IT company, through to HR officer. So loads of different categories. So I think that's worth checking out. And then finally, if you are going to head off to a conference, um, the CMA producer how to prepare for a conference. So if you are going to one of the best marketing conferences, it talks about how to make sure that you get the most out of that um, experience because you spend a lot of money uh, and then you're going to be out of the office. And a lot of it's not rocket science, but it gets you thinking about, you know, how am I going to make the most of this 1500 quid that I've just paid to go to a conference, whatever. Uh, And even if it's a a free conference, make sure you get the most because your time has value. So again, if you go, if you go along to cmalive.com, uh, sorry.co.uk um, loads of information there about how to prepare for a conference Tracy what have you got? Okay I've got a couple of bits of news so first up um, obviously I went to have a look at HM Revenue and Customs post um, the deadline for the self-assessment tax returns and I was pleased to see that um, a new record was achieved 93.68% of tax returns were completed by the deadline and the peak hour for filing was 4 to 5 p.m. on the 31st of January, okay. during which time 60,000 people filed their wow. returns. So I'm going to say well done to the people who manage the IT resources there, because that's obviously um, yeah. quite critical at yes. that time. Yes. And HM Revenue and Customs are at pain to point out pains to point out that if you've missed the deadline that you should contact them and in their most recent press release about it they said that they will treat those with genuine excuses leniently as it focuses penalties on those who persistently fail to complete their tax returns and on deliberate tax evaders and we mentioned a couple of weeks ago the excuses that people have come up with so they do point out that the excuse must be genuine and they may ask for evidence Right, okay, all right. And then another um, site that I frequently go to for for snippets of news and information is the Office for National Statistics. And at the end of January, they launched a specialist unit which um, has been given the remit to provide fresh insight on the economic effects of globalisation and multinational enterprises. So this international business unit is going to work with some of the largest multinationals to make sure that their activities are recorded accurately and attributed to the correct countries. That's an interesting Ah. one. And they're going to focus on understanding the issues involved with the restructuring of multinationals, and particularly if there's a, a notable impact on the UK economic statistics, gaining a better understanding of the scale and extent of globalization issues, and ensuring that there is consistency and coherency across the survey and administrative data collected for multinationals. And ensuring that the ONS has the appro- asks the appropriate questions of multinationals tailored to their individual business model. And to reduce the questionnaire burden on them. That was a bit I was getting to. If they can reduce the questionnaire burden. Now, I, I work for a multinational company. Um, And I've got to say that the number of questionnaires that come through from the ONS is staggering. They just keep on coming and it's not voluntary. You have to fill these in. And some of them can take two minutes to fill in. Some can take considerably longer. They're not voluntary. You have to complete. 
Yes, wow. you you have been selected. Wow, means do it. Yeah, and, and then they quote the relevant bit of law that says that you really have to do it. So anything that they can do to reduce the questionnaire burden, yeah, that gets a thumbs up from me. Mm-hmm. This week on The Business Community, we're reviewing a magazine and it's called Money Week. I went to the shops and it is available. It's real. There is a print version on the shelves at that place you know you know that shop where you can get loads of papers but often what you see is people just standing there reading them yeah well it's so chocolate yeah Yeah. (laughs) well they they always have it in there so you might not have it in your local news agents but you can get it from the larger news agents um you can also get it digitally as well so you can read it um through um an app or you can read bits of it on the website as well so the website is moneyweek.com and I'm going to come straight out and say this magazine surprised me. I wasn't expecting to like it. And I came away thinking, yeah, I would buy that magazine. Uh, you can buy it for um, the best deal is if you have the print and digital, as is often the case. Never buy just the print because you get the digital virtually free. Never have just the digital unless you really don't want the paper and the print and digital is £124.95 for an annual or rather 51 issues they must have a week off um, and you can or you can buy it um, 13 issues for £31.25 so at the best deal it works at about £2.45 per issue and that's per week They've also got a podcast and it's called the Money Week podcast. And I failed to find it initially because the headline of Money Week on on all the magazines is red with white words. And uh, the actual podcast is a a blue blue box. The branding didn't seem to fit in there. So I wasn't even sure I had the right thing. But there are podcasts there that range from about 35 to 45 minutes. And the latest podcast is on there. They're actually on episode 933 at the moment. And the latest episode is actually one snippet from the magazine, which is the main interview that they do in the magazine with. I'm going to try and say this name and I do apologise. They interview an author, Anand Jiri Haradas. Very good. That I tried. That, that sounded I? spot on to me. And, and uh, it's a it's a good podcast, uh, and it it's one maybe if you're in a, in a car journey, you might want to listen to. Um, with my normal short car journeys, it's a bit too long for that. But if you've got forty two minutes spare, then saves you reading the article, I guess. And the reason why I. I gave it more opportunity than I thought maybe I was. I was going to flick through it and find a few pieces. But rather unusually for me, I read the editor's opinion piece at the beginning. I don't always do that with magazines. I flip over it. And it starts with the thing that caught my eye is the first sentence says, well, it rather looks like we've had enough of billionaires. Oh, okay. interesting start to a, a magazine called Money Week. And she quotes from the article. So the editor is a woman. She's quoting from the article in the magazine and and goes on to say that it's their endless patronising, self-righteous do-goodery and tendency to rich blame problems to us, combined with their failure to actually accept any possibility of the kind of structural change that might involve any inconvenience for them. So at that point, I'm thinking, well, clearly her target market is not a billionaire. And then she goes on to talk about a gentleman that we've talked about on the show in the past, Jeff Bezos. 
And she says, again, quoting from the interview, we do not need him to help a small number of homeless people out. We need him to stop putting small bookshops out of business and to pay Amazon staff properly, whatever the long term impact on his own power may be. So, yeah. She had me hooked then. I thought, okay, then I'll go and read a few more things. And then I saw there was a little profile on Howard Schultz, who we profiled a few weeks ago. And you know what I was really pleased to see was that there was a in the best of the financial columnists section, there was a little quote from HN Revenue and Customs, which is from the press release we referred to last week about stupid excuses for late tax return. Uh. I like that. We we got that yes, last week. We got in first. And there are a lot of sections in here. There's market, shares, politics, economics, news, briefings, investment strategy, a view from the city. Like I said before, a, a best of the financial columnists. So there's a, a extracts, maybe a paragraph long from other publications like the FT, the Times and Bloomberg. There's a roundup of the best financial blogs. Then it moves into more of the personal finance with funds, pensions, investing in property. Then there's the interview. There's also a cover story. And this this month's this week's cover story is the secrets of Asia's economic success. There's a bit on trading. A bit, then it gets a bit more playful with travel. Yeah. Um, property, toys. A yacht? <laughs> okay, so we're talking aspirational um, money here. Collectibles. There's a feature called blowing it. If you, if you feel the need to blow the money you've got, then then this uh, article's for you. So, yeah, I was really drawn to the fact that there's... I thought it was going to be just a personal finance magazine, but it's got so much more to it. And for that, I, I read a few articles and I, I will go back and read the rest of them as well. Did you find it interesting, Heather? Yeah, I love it. it it's very similar to The Week magazine that um, that we've talked about in the past, which is a summary of, of you know, main news stories, home affairs, uh, world affairs, a bit of finance, a bit of travel. Uh, and so this, this is a similar um, product. I have the attention span of a gnat. So this is really good for me because it, it condenses... All sorts of, and, and, and it's very varied. So there's a snippet about this, a snippet about that. There's some more meaty articles if you want to read them. But I found it really easy to dip into and dip out of. And just some stuff, terminology, trends that you know I wouldn't come across because I don't, I don't scrutinise the money section of, of the newspapers. I don't read the FT on a regular basis. So I found it really useful from that point of view. Um, another thing that I think is great about this magazine and magazines like it, and we were talking off air just bef- before we came on air, it's from a business point of view where this is really ha- helpful and really powerful is that you pick up snippets so that if you find yourself at a networking event like I did last night uh, there and you're talking to somebody and you think, crikey, I don't know what I've got in common with this person, what conversation starter or how can I build the conversation? There will be something that you've read where you can say, I read something last week in money week or the week or whatever about xyz and i thought that this was very interesting and it might lead into something that is relevant to their business so sometimes i'll meet business people 
and you know their their existence is totally different. So like, last night, for example, I met, met a guy who was a surveyor, a commercial property surveyor. And I was thinking, crikey, what could I talk to this guy about? And then I remembered the conversations that we'd had on air about the high street, the changing face of the high street, IKEA opening up their viewing um, shops, and also the fact that Tottenham Court Road is full of empty shops. So, so it's so. Can I just say we we can change the description of this show to it helps you with networking too. It, as, as that's another thing that it does. <laughs> so it was really helpful because you know you're just trawling in your mind. What do I? What could I share with this person? And of course. You've already mentioned that they, you know, they're picking up on what we're we're talking about. And <laughs> lo and behold, they have an article in their trading section on page 33, which mentions Marie Kondo and her decluttering. And that we're so on point. Heather. We're so on. We're just bang on the money um, that safe store, which is a storage facility, um, has is investing and in opening lots of stores in and around the, the country. So. I like it. And if you're listening and you, you've you never seen a copy of this magazine, you can get six months free. Uh, no, not six months, sorry, six weeks weeks free um, just by going to their website and, um, and filling in your details. And also on the website, um, they have a number of reports. So there's a Brexit report. There's a share report. Uh, there's there's a video about land tax. So, you know, they have features as well. Some personal, some um, business finance related. I like it. I like it a lot. should also point out that if you go to the website, there is an option to sign up for their daily newsletter. Mm. So it might be that you sign up for the newsletter to get a feel for the style of writing mm. and, and see if it's, it's something for you. But we were talking again off air before we came on the show, just saying we, we didn't have a lot of time to dive into meaty subjects. So we were thinking of books to review in the future. And a lot of the books that we'd seen promoted through the Financial Times last year were were taking one subject and diving really deeply into mm. it. And this is the opposite of that. This is just a broader, general, a gentle yeah. overview of a lot of what's going on. And I guess if you want to then go and dive more into the subject, then you can. Yes. But for people who are a bit time poor but want to have a good feel for what's going on in the world, something like this is, is a really good start. Our business leader this week, uh, we've we've delayed talking about him, uh, and it's not been intentional. And we and we didn't we didn't pick these um, these leaders off in any particular order. But we are going back to the dragon's den uh, for the tallest dragon, Peter Jones. Uh, Love him or hate him, he is a hugely successful entrepreneur and businessman. He was born in the same year as me, so he um, he's achieved more in his 52 years. Uh, only ne- on paper. Nearly Heather. 53 years. <laughs> only, only on his bank statements, <laughs> Yes, <Heather. laughs> apparently his net worth is 400 million US dollars. Um, he is six foot seven and uh, he was educated at Desborough College at the Windsor Boys School. He, um, yeah, he, he, he sits at the end uh, of the, the line of dragons and often doesn't say very much and then you get, you know, you get what he really thinks and he doesn't pull any punches. He's, 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 I think he's quite tough. Um, he's renowned for wearing funky socks um, 
and he is he's been in the dragon's den since the get-go he's i think he's the only one that's been there from day one that's in 2005 since 2005 yeah. is it is that how long it's been going yeah. goodness me wow okay oh he was a lot younger then uh, he's he has a cbe and he started um his his business life uh, when he was 16 years of age where he was making personal computers pcs uh, and then from that he went on to open a cocktail bar in windsor um but he sold his it business to ibm and lost an awful lot of money i think they must have struck a hard deal so i think he might have been to the school of hard knocks when it comes to business but that's okay he um he set up a phone company in 1998 and i think then uh things went on from strength to strength he has joined forces with theopophetis and they have uh, a special relationship when it comes to business i think very often they will be um, in the den they will be playing one off against the other and competing for the lion's share of any investment. What did you find out about Peter Jones, Tracy? I went to his website, peterjones.com, yeah. and as well as finding out that he was six foot seven, there is a fun fact section yeah. on his website. So, <laughs> he, fun fact, Peter Jones has got size 14 feet. Yes. He had to earn a lot of money to have his shoes made, I presumably. Bet, yeah. He has five children, and in the pet department, he has two dogs, Zeus the Great Dane and Coco the Terrier, two guinea pigs, one pig, 12 chickens, five turkeys, and a field full of cows. Okay. Fun facts about Peter Jones. One of the things I really liked um, reading his biography, uh, auto, sorry, his bio, autobiography, maybe. Um, anyway, the bit about him <laughs> on his yeah. website. He says, when I was seven, I often went to my father's office in Windsor because I loved sitting in his big chair and pretending to be in charge of a big company, even though it was a small office and just him. <laughs> I like that. And he said, I wanted to do the best I could, knowing that one day I was going to be a multimillionaire. We've noticed that with a few people, haven't we, that we've profiled here who are multimillionaires, is that they knew from an early age that's what they wanted mm. to do. And presumably that drive and that focus. I, I wonder whether that's hindsight talking or whether they actually really had that moment of that's where I'm going to be. It's hard to know, isn't it? I mean, they do say that, you know, fake it till you make it. And maybe, you know, if you start faking it from a very young age and and in your mind shaping what it would, what your vision looks like, you know, yeah. what would success and look like. And you talk like. the talk. Yeah. So I imagine his father, you know, was running a successful business. But Peter's idea of a successful business was clearly bigger and better and more successful. So... And uh, another fun fact on his website was he's got a description of the Peter Jones coat of arms. And of course, there are dragons on the coat of arms. Yeah, I, I thought, I mean, does everybody have a, a coat of arms? I mean, I, I don't appear to have one. I don't know. If... I think we've, we're missing a trick. I think we need coats, a coat of arms. Yeah, or coats of coats. arms. I don't know. I've got coats with arms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, is it normal? Is I mean, his surname's Jones. I mean, maybe your, maybe yours is the same. <laughs> so the other thing that I liked, I found um, 
an interview with him on the BBC. Uh, he talks about his time with um, Dragon's Den and uh, the interviewer asked him what his most memorable pitch was in that time and he picked out Ross from Bare Naked Foods. He said he had a backstory and whilst he came in with his business, uh, Peter says he ended up investing in him as a person. And he, he, it was an interesting one because we said, let's create a business. We don't know what it is yet, but we will create something. So That's, he saw that person thought, yeah, I want to I work do with so- this guy. I like that idea. Um, he also said, obviously, that Levi Roots stands out for him. Le- Levi uh, Roots, yeah, sort of, it was really reggae, big, reggae wasn't sauce, he? Yeah. And uh, I also found a couple of... Um, FAQs or questions that, yeah, frequently asked questions, it was on his website. Uh, Do you think it's easier or harder in the current climate to be an entrepreneur compared to when you started? And Peter's take on this is that it's never been easier to start your own business and the current climate lends itself well to entrepreneurs. And if you can make something work and stand on its own two feet in this economic climate, then you know you'll be even better when the economy picks up. Um, he also, um, he was asked, if you lost all your business tomorrow and you had to start from scratch again, what would you do next? And he quite rightly says, that's a horrible thought, but I have done it before, as Heather mentioned. Uh, he didn't say that in the interview. Did you not no, say no. that? <laughs> and I would do it again. When I set my mind to something, I know I can make things happen. I'm not saying it would be easy, but I believe in myself and my ability. I would know um, to look at things that I know well and where I have good relationships and experience and start from there. What I always do as well is I look at Twitter because I think that how somebody describes themselves on Twitter is is always quite interesting. Mm-hmm. So Peter Jones, his Twitter handle is Dragon Jones. So he very clearly identifies himself as a dragon. Uh, he also goes on to say he's an entrepreneur, investor, founder of the UK's first enterprise academy, creator of American Inventor in the US and star of Dragon's Den in the UK. Sage Ambassador. That's just a sentence on its own. And there was a his most recent post was from yesterday, re-Bitcoin. This has been okay. mentioned so many times. And the use of his image in the adverts, it's the same as Martin Lewis last week and Deborah Meaden a couple of weeks ago. So uh, Peter Jones's image has been used in these um, scam yeah. Bitcoin adverts as well. Do you think they targeted the dragons specifically because it seems to be a little bit I think clearly they're targeting successful business Pro- people with profile yeah, yeah. Uh, hoping to get people's trust because they feel like they know them one thing that is really interesting about uh, um, many of the dragons actually and if you go to Peter Jones's website it lists his portfolio his investment portfolio and, and the, the companies that he's involved with and they are wide and far reaching yeah. you know it's they don't he seems to invest in what he's interested yeah. in yeah and there has to be there has to be something in that that if it if it captures your imagination then um it's going it's going to be more successful. I mean, he's famously involved with Jessup's, you know, Hope and Ivory, um, Hope and Ivy, you know, some some well-known names and others that I've not actually heard of. But they, as I say, there's food, there's toys, there's data, magazines, all sorts of things. And I think that it has to be, if you find something that, that floats your boat, then that's the way forward. 
What about quotes? Quotes. Okay, mine's taken from an interview in The Telegraph in 2009. This appeals to me as an accountant, clearly. He says, I've certainly learned there's nothing more important than cash. Cash flow issues are one of the biggest causes of company failures. Too right there, Peter. Okay. I have I struggled a little bit with quotes um, because there are lots of things that seem to be uh, attributed to him. But I don't know how many of them actually came out of his mouth. But when he was talking about where he is now and it goes back to the story of him sitting in his father's chair um he says that you know where he is now it was a big dream for a schoolboy, and I think that you know if you dream big you sometimes you know you can achieve those dreams so I, that's the one that I've chosen that's a good way to end the show that's all we've got time for this week thanks for listening You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. Join us next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.